0: Thank you. Thank you, Chad. Appreciate that very much. Pastor Billy Lau, your lead pastor, is on his way back from Orlando, Florida, where he he did some speaking there in our national conference where over 2,000 college students came together from campuses throughout America um, to get fired up for what will be a year of miracles. Athletes, scholars, coaches, professors, a great convocation that Lights the fire for revival. Pastor Billy is with our Every Nation Church in Portland, Oregon, where he is, I'm sure, freezing, (laughs) turning into a living icicle. And he's with Pastor Simon Bardoni. I've been with him before. That's why I know it's freezing there. He'll be back in the pulpit next week. So he looked into the closet of age and pulled out his father-in-law. So I'm sorry you have me this morning the founding pastor, but we're going to have some fun together. Are you ready? Well, it's a new sermon series, and in this series, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. So if you want to prime the pump before you come every weekend, you want to continually read through John's Gospel. And there are seven miracles in there that we're going to unfold in this series that will launch the theme for the year. And every miracle is meant not to draw attention to the person that God is using to pray for the miracle, but to reveal the author and the giver of that miracle and the source of all power, and His name is Jesus Christ. And so, the Gospel of John was written to reveal Jesus as the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and how we can come to know Him personally, and we begin by looking at his first miracle, the first miracle that he ever executed on the earth in his ministry. Everybody say, first miracle, okay, because the first mention of anything in Scripture is very significant because the thread of that theology that goes throughout the book is very important. There's a consistent truth that expands, and so we'll take the journey through the gospel. Of John and Pastor Billy will be back to continue that journey next week. But today, we look at Jesus' first miracle, and to set the stage, keep in mind that celebrations for weddings lasted seven days. So the Jews, like the Hawaiians, know how to celebrate, they know how to have a good time. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana and Galilee, and the mother of John was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples, and when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. This, the first of signs, Jesus did at Cana and Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Every miracle in Scripture is designed to reveal Christ so that people can believe in him. But this is really interesting. It's a whole ton of wine, and I just think it's hilarious. And um, there's a humor in this. That the first miracle wasn't raising somebody from the dead, wasn't a massive healing, but it was simply turning water into wine. The best wine was served first and then diluted two to three cups of water to one cup of wine. So Jesus would transform 120 gallons of water into 120 gallons of wine, which is the equivalent of 2,000 four-ounce glasses of actual wine. And so, the banquet master, or what we would call the food and beverage coordinator, and the host families avoided a lifetime of disgrace. Because in Jewish culture, if you had a bad wedding and you ran out of wine or the food was bad, they would label you for a lifetime as inferior and disgusting. Not so in Hawaii, right? But in the Jewish culture, that was the case. And they were saved from this grace all because Mary, the mother of Jesus, called on her son Jesus to do something. And today, Jesus is calling us to to do something. In other words, Jesus has called us to partner with him in the realm of the miraculous because the Lord wants all of us to experience the God of the miraculous, not only the miraculous, but to know the God of the miraculous. Jesus could have filled the jars invisibly, supernaturally, but he chose to work through human servants, human agents. Think about that. Meaning he wants us to participate in miracles that reveal who he is because miracles are never meant to be an end in themselves. Missionaries in difficult countries say this. They say that it is easier to share about who Jesus is by first showing what Jesus does. And so, through the years, I have shared the gospel best by first praying for the Lord to show up supernaturally, and then I'll share the gospel. It's showing what Jesus does opens the door for revealing who Jesus is. Now, While miracles don't save, they point to the Lord and open doors for the gospel that does save. This past Monday night, I was, as all followers of Christ should have been, watching NFL football. I was watching the Cincinnati Bengals face off with the Buffalo Bills. And by now, if you're not a sports fan, you have heard about the name Darman Hamlin, backup safety for the Buffalo Bills who had taken Micah Hyde's place because Micah, the starter, had gotten injured. Now, Darman Hanlon makes a tackle on T. Higgins, another believer. Except when he gets up, he falls back down. And as I was watching this, I knew immediately this was different because of the reaction of the players. It was determined that 24-year-old Darman Hamlin would have sustained a cardiac arrest, meaning he had coded, and they needed to bring him back to life on the field. And the horror and the mortality of these top-level athletes who are in the best shape of their lives was shattered as they began to process they could have easily been me. And so prayer took the stage, football took a knee, And faith became prominent as people began to pray. It started with the players and the coaches and the support staff and the stadium. And over the last several days, this has taken over the news feed. And God has used football to call people to prayer. Who is Darman Hamlin? A strong believer in Christ a person with great compassion who grew up in a very challenged background with a special heart for children, such that when he played for the University of Pittsburgh, he had started as a college student a fund to help impoverished, challenged, and abused children. And of course, you got no money when you're in college, so he scraped up over four years $2,500. But when they found out about this, and found out about Darman Hamlin's cause beyond football people began to donate and at this right at this at this service at this moment it is estimated that over 700 mil, 7 million not 700 million 7 million dollars now have been raised towards this fund which is the passion of Darman Hamlin, Darman Hamlin who by the way was a young man of prayer It is in the sovereignty of God that he would allow his servant to suffer, just like he allowed his son, Jesus, to suffer, so a world could be called to prayer and actually pray and see the Son of God. Now, on ESPN, which will be a channel you will also see in heaven, Dan Orlovsky, 12-year NFL quarterback who is unashamedly a follower of Jesus Christ. If you go to his social media, he puts it right in his profile. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. On NFL Live, which is also a program you will see in heaven, they are talking together, and Dan Orlovsky knows that a moment has come for him to act. Let's take a look at that.
1: Um, Football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm-hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like, thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, that like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to – it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. It is. Demar Hamlin right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're we're sad. We're angry. um, And we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful.
2: Respectfully.
0: Unplanned, unscripted, and some liberals would say uncalled for on network, on cable network television, affiliate of ABC. Don't you love that? Don't you just love that? I tell you what. Well, since that time, since that time, as others joined with him and that thing has gone viral, Darman Hamlin, who had a second cardiac arrest at the hospital, so they had to revive him twice, twice. Darman Hamlin has come off of the ventilator, off of oxygen, was able to sign to his parents and his family. Now, he's able to talk rather normally and recently FaceTime his teammates. The first question he asked when he came to was, did we win? (laughs) True football warrior. Did we win? And, of course, they told him, Darman, you won in the game of life, and everybody in the NFL today is a Buffalo Bill. Everybody. Well, he's recovering remarkably in the face of pessimistic heart specialists, and people are wondering, how does this happen? God. Others have since followed suit, and I find it interesting that football has united people both believers and unbelievers, while politics has divided people, it is in the humor, and the heart of God that He has taken my favorite sport, and made it, a mission and a focus of faith. Somebody say Amen. I've got to tell you, this is so good. Um, now, have, now while we're on ESPN, ESPN Honolulu's Bobby Curran is recovering from the specter of death. As you know, I've developed a friendship with Bobby. He's 30 years the announcer of Rainbow University of Hawaii Sports. And um, he he needed a lung transplant within a certain window of time, which means they would have had to qualify him to get on the list and find a donor within a certain period of time, or within a year, he would die. It is in this context that I've come to know him and develop a friendship with this guy. And I told him, actually, you, you have my job. I would have loved to, to do what you're doing. Ever since I was a kid, I want to be a sports journalist. I'm going to be a sports caster, and it would have been an awesome one. And he told me, you are announcing. He said, you're announcing the gospel. I well, That's pretty good for a guy that doesn't go to church. Anyway, having said that, the star advertiser... Uh, wrote a big article on him and referenced our church. And that's because Bobby wanted them to know that Pearlside was making it her mission to pray for his healing and for the miracle that he needs. And this was what the star advertiser said. We'll put the uh, quote up on the screen here. It says, I wasn't initially a very religious person, but some of the things that are happening here, you have to see a heavenly hand in it. And I don't think this could have happened elsewise. Now, in my subsequent talks with him, he's recovering on the mainland right now. He is very grateful. He wants to see his two boys grow up. And he does want to jump into one of our small groups when he gets back. Because he acknowledges that the reason the miracles have taken place and his progress is because you have prayed. And he told the Star Advertiser that. And he said that because he believes that. Well, what does this tell us? We need to discern situations that provide opportunities. But remember, because remember, we, we will never find what we're not looking for. And opportunities to participate with the Lord in the miraculous abound. They abound. See, let's go back to verses three to five here in our text. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said, to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And it will go too much into deeper theology to explain what Jesus is saying, but Jesus was actually in the term, my hour. He was, he was referring to the future moment when he would go to the cross. Yet, God in his sovereignty allows this moment Because this first miracle is like the trigger that would initiate his walk down the path of the Gospels to Golgotha, where he would eventually fulfill his purpose by becoming the sacrifice for our sins. Mary sensed that during this time, not of tragedy or tribulation, but of celebration, this would be a special moment to stage the first miracle. She sensed that this was an opportunity. And as we discern opportunities, moments like this, the Lord can then partner with us and work through us to reveal Jesus to others. But the question is will we be aware of these moments? Because they come in good times and bad times. This was a wedding. This was a celebration. And um, we can discern these moments if, and I say if, if we can adopt the mindset of faith that God can use us to do and empower us to do what we're not supposed to be able to do like the bumblebee is empowered to fly, even though experts say that aerodynamically, the bumblebee's body is too big for its set of wings, the bumblebee should not be able to fly. And every one of us know, when it comes to dogs, we walk the dog. But what about the dog that's walking? Meet Dexter from Ure, Colorado recently, because Dexter believes he can do what he shouldn't be able to do. Let's watch
2: Dexter lives here in Uray, Colorado, where for the past few years, this bicolor, bipedal Britney Spaniel has been turning heads wherever he goes. Oh, no, my Dexter's owner, Kenty Pasek, says this isn't a trick she taught. It's an adaptation he made after a near death experience. Hey, come on. When Dexter was a puppy, he escaped his yard, darted into traffic, and got hit by a car. He lost one front leg and the other was badly damaged. So everyone assumed to get around, he would need some kind of adaptive equipment. And he did use a wheelchair for a while, until one day when Kenty set the pooch at the foot of her porch without the wheelchair. And I ran in to go get my cup of coffee, came out and he was right here where he is right now. And I was like, how is this going on? How did you figure it out? I put him back down there and I grabbed my phone to see what was going on. (laughs) Here is the video she recorded. And I was like, oh, we're into something totally different. You never know where life's gonna take you. You never know. In the six years since, Dexter has become a full-blown celebrity, starring in parades and building a legion of social media followers, who now come here from across the country, just hoping for a glimpse of U-Ray's most upstanding citizen.
1: Follow him on Instagram. Oh, good.
2: The whole thing takes absurdity to new heights. But to many, Dexter is no joke. In this pile of mail he receives monthly, comes in droves, are hundreds of letters of heartfelt gratitude. I'm recovering from intensive radiation treatments for breast cancer, and you certainly bring joy to my day. Where humans see obstacles, I mean, just often dogs beg to differ. Dexter shows us, why aren't you out there writing the book you want to write? Why aren't you out there doing the things you want to do? Because he has. Off he goes. And in doing so has proven that sometimes getting knocked down is the only way to see how tall you stand.
0: Now, Faye and I have had dogs, but not like that. And Dexter, let me me just break this open, okay? Dexter believed that he could do what he shouldn't be able to do, and he took his first steps not by walking on level ground; he went right up the stairs. I know humans that can't do that, that have been injured. There's an amazing thing about faith. Scripture says in Hebrews 11:6 that faith pleases God, and when we choose to adopt the mindset that by God's grace, we can do what we're not supposed to be able to do. When we realize that God can enable us to do anything, then when we really literally believe what Scripture says, awesome things can happen. And, And know this, that because Dexter the dog, everybody say dog. Man's best friend. Because Dexter believed that he could do what he shouldn't be able to do, others have taken hope from his example to believe that they too can do what they shouldn't be able to do. Because the outpouring and the results that came from this episode and this experience and this video and this story has helped others in their healing. And others realize their miracle. And if you flip D-O-G around, it spells G-O-D, God. God. Isn't that deep? <laughs> I'm so proud of myself with that one. <laughs> now, let's bring it down to this. Be willing to take action in the face of contradiction. Verse 8, he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And here's the three words that really boggle my mind. So they took it. Now, the servants must have wondered why jars of water were being taken to the master of the feast. This is what's, what's not done. They were fearing for their jobs. They would look like idiots, forgive the language, only when they could, because only when they actually served the water did they find out the water had been turned into wine. You talk about risky obedience, shaking knees, trembling hands, Right? The moment of truth was unveiled in a risky moment of obedience. Yes, there's a risk when we step out. I'm sure it was a risk for Dexter to take those first few steps, although it didn't look like it. But the dog believed. And I can't believe I'm talking about a dog believing right now. And Jesus is saying, believe. Believe my word for what it says and keep believing and if your faith has been injured because I didn't answer those prayers and I'm just putting myself in the Lord's place here for effect, keep believing and choose to believe again and again and again because it might come on that fourth again or fifth again or tenth again that the breakthrough comes. You know what I think? Dexter kept looking at all these people walking on two legs. And he might have thought, I've lost one, but I've got three legs. Humans only have two legs, and yet they walk. I'm going to choose to do what I see, and that teaches us here's a principle of faith. What are you seeing? What are you choosing to look at that fills your vision, that feeds your faith? Because if you look at what does not happen, you'll only feed your fears. You'll only feed facts that are verifiable. Miracles, by their definition, defy natural laws and principles. And God is calling us this year to a higher level. That we believe that we can do by His grace what we shouldn't be able to do that God may get the glory and that God may be seen. And For that to happen, we need to step out in obedient faith. Remember, this is Jesus' final words, among his final words. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then... The Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs in the gospel of Matthew. He is more succinct, he says, and proclaim," he says, as you go, saying, the kingdom of of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead. What? Raise the dead. Okay, that's going a little too far now. Raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. In other words, allow the practice of faith to trump the presence of fear and the presence of facts that can kill faith. Pearlside's first miracle was in May of 1995, several months into the birth of our church, past the birth of our church, and a hospital administrator had raised a dead person. I know this because Sandra Segisi from KGMB called me and said, we would like for you to come down because we would like to put your church and this person and you on television about this incredible miracle. This is liberal media telling me this. So I went down, and of course, first thing I asked was, who is this person in my church? Because we only had 80 people. And they said, well, it was this woman. She's a hospital administrator there. She's a patient relations administrator named Camille Omo which we now know, who we now know to be Pastor Camille Omo. But back then, she was just Camille Omo. She wasn't even anti-Camille Omo. She was just Camille, and I hardly knew who she was. So I walked into the, obviously, I'm making a long story short here. I walk in, and there's multiple conversations. There's the nurses who say, oh, you're the pastor of the miracle man. I went, okay, who is this guy? I said, well, she said, you know, this, really, the, the hospital's buzzing because he was dead an hour. And we had put him on the side. I said, well, okay, I, I got I to meet Camille. So I go into the hospital room, and, of course, they tell me the story. He had been dead an hours. It's an amazing thing. And, of course, Camille's calm. That's all patient administrators are. They're calm. I don't know about you. I was kind of blowing up with excitement on the inside. And then I talked to, actually, the man, the 52-year-old truck, truck driver, and he was in tears. And he was like, You got to know what I saw when I was dead. And he began to describe as he would the following week in service in church. He said, I saw a city of light with incredible music. And he said, I saw a dark city and I was headed down that road. But then I saw, blocking the way, a book, a black Bible with the words, a black book named Holy Bible on it, and a man with a cross A man on a cross, and he looked at me and he said, who is that man? Because I just knew that I had to get to know him to get to the city of light. First thing that came to my mind was, I don't know of too many people who grew up in our country that doesn't know who Jesus is or about Jesus, even if you believe he's a myth. Which reminded me of why the church was planted, and that is to bring people to know who Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We would share the gospel with him, and he would give his life to Christ, the miracle making the way to reveal who the Son of God truly is. His family came to Jesus. It was an amazing moment. Of everything that he experienced, he said, the most riveting thing was who the man on the cross was. And that's why miracles happen. They're not an end in themselves. Miracles theologically are meant to reveal the Master that God is a God who loves us and who cares for us. And He wants to do great things for us that we might come to know Him at a deeper level and share Him with others who need to come to know Him. They're never meant to attract attention to the vessel that God uses. He came back the next week. He came to church the next week for the first time, cried and told the story, and he said, the music that's in this church is so beautiful. It is the music of the heaven that I heard. Having been a professional musician in my past, I will tell you our music sucked. It was really bad. One of my greatest stresses every Sunday was, Oh God, help people sing on key. <laughs> that day, I felt like God spanked me. It's not about how good you sound in the natural. It's how I am touching people in the supernatural. And that's why we worship. All, all applause to Tony and the worship team and what they do to prepare the plate for worship that opens the gates of heaven. Can somebody say amen in the house? Now, let me, let me just close with this, and we're going to take some time to pray for miracles this morning. Blake Healy is one of the up-and-coming prophetic ministers uh, in the world today, and he tells a story of when he was younger of attending a youth concert And it was at the end of a long mission trip, and he was in the second deck of the auditorium, and he said this. I'm just going to read it to you. He says, I laid my head back and closed my eyes for a nap. I don't know why I looked back down, but for some reason I glanced at the stage again. It was then that I saw Jesus. So be careful if you take a nap. You never know what will happen. He was pacing back and forth at the front of the room in the margin between the stage and the chairs. And apart from the glow that engulfed his head, he would not have been out of place in line at the supermarket. Because the Lord can manifest himself differently depending on the context. But the moment I saw him, I knew it was Jesus. I noticed that every time he turned, his gaze remained fixed at a spot somewhere at the back of the room. I followed his line of sight a hundred or so yards to the back where a girl, maybe a bit older than I, sat with her head slumped against the divider that separated the first row of stadium seats and the main floor. The room began to fade as I watched Jesus' pace. My eyes snapped back to the girl, and I watched as she lifted her head from the divider and glanced up at the front of the room, I saw him move, but it took him no time, an instant, to get there. He went from pacing at the front to standing directly in front of her. The girl lifted her head just enough to look Jesus in the eye immediately. Chains appeared around her neck, then her shoulders, then her waist, until she was completely covered... Neck to knees, the chains extended from her in four long strings, a demon pulling at the end of each. She nestled her face into the crook of her arm as it rested on the divider, breaking eye contact with Jesus. But it didn't matter. Jesus leaned forward and kissed her in the forehead, and as soon as he did this, every link in the chain split in half, starting at her neck and running all down her body like a string of firecrackers. The demons flew back from the loss of tension as the world flashed away in blinding white light, and I could only see Jesus and the girl. The rest of the auditorium faded to black. A lifetime of satisfaction shone from Jesus' face as he stood, arms wide open. The girl, wearing pure white robes, stood facing him. Jesus beckoned, and she lunged forward, sinking her face into his chest and wrapping her arms around him. I looked up and saw a giant hand descending from the endless pale sky, and the index finger extended and touched me on the forehead, snapping me back into reality with such force that I fell backward. I sat there feeling shell shock. then leaned forward just in time to see the girl from the back running up the aisle to present herself at the altar at the feet of the Jesus Jesus who had just loved her. God is love. You know why He does miracles for us and why He wants to do miracles through us? It's because He loves people. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says in the epistles of John, remember that John the Revelator writes John's gospel, and he also pens the great book of Revelation. But he makes it very clear that the book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist, it's about Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is not about the end times. The book of Revelation was written to reveal who Jesus is. And that's why miracles happen. In the epistles of John, he writes clearly, Who is God? Here's who God is. God is love. And when God does miracles, it's because he loves people. And through those miracles, His desire, the Son of God, wants as many people as possible to know His love. And the pathway into that is we simply choose to believe. I don't know about you, if a dog can believe, we can believe. Because when He made us, Roman says he's put in us a measure of faith that simply needs to be activated. You're here, you're saying, well, I've tried to believe, nothing's happened for me. I've tried to believe, believe, and, you know, nothing's happened. Here's what I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to know. Choose to believe again. Choose to believe again. Would you stand to your feet as the worship team comes? And we're just going to worship the Lord. I remember Mr. Naoni, who came back from the dead, he said, it was the music, it was the worship. He says, you sense God in the worship, in the music. And our music was so bad. I mean, forgive me if you were on the worship team, if I misspoke here this morning. But to him, it was so beautiful. And uh, let's create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray for miracles this morning. But first, let's worship.